All right, guys, thank you for joining me for another episode of The Bearded Advocate. I'm your host, Alex Pappas, and today I am joined by Michelle. Michelle, thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me, Alex. Uh, my name is Michelle Steiner, and my disability is I have a learning disability um, with visual perception and also uh, hand dexterity issues as well. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One Can't of the say I've run into anybody with those yet, so I'm curious. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> Great. Um, one of the biggest parts that I have with a learning disability is, is math. So when a lot of people uh, think of learning disabilities, they'll think of, oh, you must have dyslexia or another reading-based disability. And they're always really surprised when I say dyscalculia or dyscalculia, depending on how you pronounce it. Uh, I struggle with things such as um, totaling up how much, how numbers work. So if I'm mm -hmm. at the store, how much something's going to cost me, that, that always presents a challenge. Um, I'm unable to read the face of a clock. And interesting. Yeah. I mean, we've like, tried whenever so a digital I clock or your traditional um, circle clock, traditional circle with okay. the manual. Yeah. So what I do is I, uh, I, consult with I use a digital watch and uh, stuff like that so I'm able to tell what time it is I'm also you know with my hand dexterity that didn't get diagnosed until I was a lot um, later in life mm. uh, but now looking back a lot of that does make sense I struggled with my handwriting whenever I was in school um, just you know with art how things work with coloring uh, things like that and then the visual perception, I'm not able to drive, but, and a lot of people think, oh, well, it must be your eyes. You must need glasses. And it's really not with my vision. It's more uh, to do with my brain, like reaction time and just coordinating all the movements. Is it like a, like a depth perception thing or just a combination? Um, it, it is both. It is a little bit of depth perception, definitely. I, you okay. can see that if I'm playing sports, I'll flinch if a ball comes to me. Uh, just trying to coordinate my body and in space can be really difficult if I'm doing competitive. And it also has to do with just trying to combine with the executive functioning of trying to hold, you know, um, drive the car and keep the car going and then looking out for other people as well. So definitely no stick shifts. Yeah. <laughs> definitely no stick. Okay. So that's, that's an interesting combination. Okay. Um, so which one, or I guess, the combination of all of them, how do they affect you kind of on a daily basis and things that you, I guess, struggle with more than others? I'm always <laughs> curious of how, one of the things I do a lot of is I try to compare disabilities and chronic illnesses, mental mm -hmm. health disorders. I try to kind of pair them, compare them all together because I believe that we all deal with 70 to 80% of the same experiences. Right. regardless of what we have. And then 20 to 30% are experiences unique to our conditions. And I do that to kind of pull a lot of the communities together to say, hey, look, just because we might have a rare disease or a rare condition doesn't mean we can't connect with and you know vibe with other people that have something completely different or get support from somebody that has something completely different. So very true. Uh, what, I, what I would say that how the math affects me every day is uh, I'm unable to, but I don't know, uh, with budgeting, it's really difficult to know how much uh, money we have going in 
and how much we have to have out with, uh, with our bills, that, that can be difficult. Um, if I'm at the store, that can be hard uh, to like total items, like I said before. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if I'm at work, my students always know I'm not the one to come to for math questions. Or, Are you a or, teacher? Uh, I'm a paraprofessional, so I'm a teacher's assistant. Okay. Okay. Um, and, and there's another part with having a learning disability in general is executive functioning. And that kind of plays along with things too. So it's with following sometimes directions. Sometimes I won't quite process what somebody is telling me right away. And we'll have to sometimes go back and we'll have to revisit like the directions and things like that. Um, another thing, I'm usually the one running out the door, have not a lot of concept of time. It just seems to kind of um, drift away. I'm also um, unable to drive. So my husband takes me to work in the morning and I'm blessed with some wonderful coworkers that uh, take me home in the afternoon. And just that, that's pretty much where we get a lot of um, the day-to-day stuff. Okay, okay. Oh, you said you're, a, okay, so your teacher assistant, what age group out of curiosity, what grade? Okay, I that's work with seven. Oh, okay. I work with seventh, eighth, and ninth graders. Okay. So that's a fun, fun age range. I know in seventh, eighth, and ninth oh, grade, that was a wonderful, wonderful oh. <laughs> child. It's <clears throat> always interesting. Okay. <laughs> but it's rewarding too, because I get to go and work with some students who have disabilities. And okay. I understand what it was like to be at that age and to uh, have a disability and to just put some of the stuff that they're feeling and going through. So you, are you just specifically working with kids with disabilities or more like public class and you assist kids that have disabilities? I work more with children that have disabilities. Uh, some of them are in the general edge and I do work with kids who don't as well, but a lot of our students that have disabilities, some of them are in general ed classrooms, and I'll just kind of help them along with what they're doing there. Um, I'll also work uh, in their uh, learning strategies classes, and they come for help with their work in those rooms. And I also help out the teacher, too, with things that need to get done. Okay. I, I ask because I'm always, I'm always curious about resources for kids that have disabilities. So right. <clears throat> with my condition, I, I have colitis. I got diagnosed at 17, so I didn't have to really deal with it in school. I literally right. graduated in summer break after graduation. <laughs> I got, I got sick um, and ended up getting colitis. Um, <clears throat> so that's always something I'm curious about because I don't, I, I don't particularly know resources that they have and, you know, right. both public and private schools for kids with disabilities or mm-hmm. chronic illnesses and kind of the education around it. It's always one of those right. barriers. Like how do I, as an adult help the kids? Because I, I, I do see a lot of issues in the various groups that I'm in where, you know, kids are having a bunch of problems and unfortunately like the suicide rate amongst disabled yes. kids in school is much higher than the, the normal national rate. So always something I'm focused on and I've, I've met a couple of people that are also in the educational field that are doing various things to try to help with it so I'm always curious oh yeah definitely yeah they, they have a lot of resources now for students that have disabilities whether they're um, going into uh, uh, general ed classrooms or if they're in a self-contained room mm-hmm. but the game you know the gamut is so wide for students that have disabilities um, even someone that has colitis they might uh, come into my room and 
uh, it may not be a for formal um, individual education plan that they're under that might be a 504, they might have a 504 plan. And we just try to um, meet the needs of whatever the students have. What is a 504 plan out of curiosity? Oh, that is under um, the Americans with Disabilities Act. Okay. And that then that says that uh, a student with, that has a disability or qualifying condition, um, they get services that, kind of that, that they would need. But it's not a yeah, full, accommodation. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's fair. Yeah. I couldn't. Right. Oh, God. I have severe colitis when I was acting up. I was in the bathroom like nonstop. So I couldn't imagine that in school. Right. And that they would understand, okay, um, you would have that and you might need to use the restroom. You may um, need to use the restroom longer or there might be other things. Then it's not the formal, they'll have goals for you, but it's just allowing you to have that so you can participate in the classroom. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I'm <laughs> Like I said, I'm happy I didn't have to deal with it during school, but God, I, right. I think about that all the time. I'm like, how in the world? That would be difficult. Function? <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Cause I have severe right. colitis when it's, when it's acting up, I'm in the bathroom like every 15 minutes, like just right. nonstop. So I'm like, all right, bring my laptop yeah. to me. I'll just sit and sit in the bathroom all day. And well, I guess at least kids around here, they have, they have laptops to do all their schoolwork. I don't know about public <laughs> schools anymore. It's been a while. It's been a while. Right. So Yeah. Definitely. And sometimes we'll have students, uh, I knew someone years ago that there, I think it might've been colitis or something similar, but she was able to do homeschool for her kid. And that worked with having that. I mean, that that's another option. Um, oh, I've definitely had that where I've had my little like TV tray in the bathroom yeah. on the laptop and it's like, well, if I'm stuck here, might as well get something right. done. <laughs> Right. Exactly. <clears throat> Not the most comfortable thing, but at least you can still be productive. Right, right. True. <laughs> and your home bathroom is just so much nicer than public bathrooms. Right. Like, <laughs> true. <clears throat> that's one thing I want to point out. People take for granted being able to choose to use their bathroom at home versus having to use public bathrooms because God, some of them are so, so bad. So. Oh, they are. Definitely. I know. <laughs> it's like, ah, I'm going to pass. Like, that's great that you get the choice to pass. Right, um, right. Exactly. <laughs> not so much with me. Right. Uh, my option is Imodium for the day, which is horrible <laughs> for you in the long term. But, you know, right. whatever works. <laughs> So are you newer to the advocacy side or are you, have you been doing, I am, doing some stuff? Okay. Right. I, I am new to advocacy. I started out with um, writing. Uh, I got my first article published with the Mighty. Congrats. Thank you. And I got more published with that. And I was hesitant to share my story, but what I found is that there's a lot more people that are accepting. And I think the greatest thing is when I talk to somebody and they say, wow, I really connected with your story. I thought I was the only one that had that, or I'm the only one that felt that way. Um, I've had it published in other, um, it just grew from there. I got it published in other places as well. Um, I've even started my uh, own blog called Michelle's Mission. Congrats. So that's always a fun you. one to do. I stick to audio because writing and, and me are not the not the best of friends. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, but it, yeah, I I enjoy doing that, and I've also done some speaking events too, um, some in person before COVID, and I've done some virtual ones as well. So it's very um, 
healing, to be able to talk about having a disability and just having that connection with other people. Yeah, so that's something I've actually been mentioning a lot because I go through like phases on the podcast where I focus on certain things because, you know, ADHD, Mm -hmm. that's just how my brain works sometimes. Um, But one of the things I've really been talking about a lot is the emphasism on, you know, sharing your story and the amount of knowledge that we carry as, you know, individuals mm-hmm. with a disability and for those that just fall in the chronic illness or that, that deal with mental health, when you live with something for, you know, extended period of time, I mean, I'm at mm-hmm. my 11 year mark, so I'm 28 this year, I've been dealing with colitis <laughs> for 11 years now. That's a, that's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of time. And if you're born with something, that's an even larger amount of time because it's your right. normal. So you understand what's normal and, I think it's really important to get more and more people to share their experiences and stories and what they deal with on a regular basis, because a massive amount of our knowledge comes from the medical field. And a lot of the times these are people that don't understand what we're dealing with that are treating us and and trying to work with us on certain conditions. And yes, their knowledge is important, um, but I think there's a massive amount of knowledge that's being missed from the actual patients and individuals that are living with you know, our conditions on a day-to-day basis. And I say it all the time, you know, people, it's super important to trust and listen to your own body. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, regardless of what your doctor's saying, if you, if you think something's wrong and your doctor's not listening to you, you know, getting that second opinion um, to verify that, because, you know, we live with this every day. We understand what's normal for our body. And we understand when something's off, we might not have the knowledge to say, Hey, this is exactly what's off. We can say, Hey, look, something's not right. Right. Here's the issues. Here's what's making it obvious. Here's the things that to point out, and then they can go from there. But yeah, it's super, super important to share. And I've found. I mean, I'm not a super social person, surprisingly. <laughs> um, and sharing on the podcast, one of the first things I did was the first. It was like ten or fifteen episodes. I went and broke down all the different areas of my life and how my colitis has affected it. From Mm -hmm. social life, work life, relationships, you know, the financial side of it, the mental health side of it. And after getting all those out and starting to talk, talking to people, like it feels really good. You automatically connect with people regardless of what they have, because we have that just understanding of, hey, there's certain things that just suck, like some doctors or some prescriptions or some tests. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's super important to advocate for both ourselves and, and others when possible. Exactly. So I guess what other what other big points do you want to want to touch on? Any other crazy fun stories, horrible <laughs> doctors' experiences? Um, I don't know. I think you know the the thing that I really want to touch on for people that do have um, disabilities is to make sure that they use the accommodations because I can remember there was a time that there's so many stigmas that that are attached with having a learning disability. Whenever I uh, first started out with college, I didn't want to um, use the accommodations. I had people telling me, oh, well, you can do it. And then when I didn't do well with using or using them, people would say, well, you're not trying hard enough. And with, you know, I also had to get my testing done right before I went to a college to get uh, some of those accommodation services. And the psychiatrist told, told me, you're never going to go beyond a community college. Um, I had professors who told me, your job choices are going to be really, really limited. And it, I had a really bad attitude for a lot of years with that. And I was able to 
go out and uh, move out on my own. And I worked in some childcare centers and eventually I always wanted more for myself. And whenever I had a job that downsized, I wanted to go back to university just to try. Mm -hmm. And I was able to get my bachelor's degree, but it wasn't until I fully went into using the accommodations, using what worked, um, that I really had a lot of success. And th that time around, it was so much easier. Well, I think that's, that's a really important point. And I talk about that a lot um, from time to time when it comes to all the stuff that we have access to, both the extra protections and rights that we have as mm -hmm. Americans with a disability and just the kind of ease of use and mindset around it. So kind of touching on that, I do personally have like the handicap placards and, and handicap plates mm -hmm. for my car because I have, you know, colitis and when you need to right. go, you need to go. You can't be parking at the back of the parking lot. Like you kind of need to park and go, um, right. which targets the best place. Cause the bathroom's always right at the front target is targets on point. And mm -hmm. they usually have a ton of handicap parking. If it's the new right. well, parking lots, um, they literally put like 20 to 40 spots, which is great. I'll give them a ton of credit for that versus Walmart. that gives you like four, um, <laughs> Yeah, Walmart's. Come on, guys. You got plenty of parking. Let's go. But <laughs> there's a lot of people that I both talk to and that I see in a lot of the different groups where there's this level of kind of shame and unnecessarily shame or indecision around whether they want to make that jump to being, you know, permanently disabled, even though you already are with your condition, right. but kind of announcing it in a way, which a lot of people see the placards and, and the plates as. Um, and I think it's a really important thing to understand that <clears throat> one, with the placards and the plates, mm -hmm. if you do utilize them for whatever reason, you are protected as far as the reasoning behind it. So you do not have to identify your condition that you have, why you have it. The only thing that you have to provide to police officer, if someone were to call, because I've had to deal with it before, mm -hmm. is either your placard ID card or your registration that says that the vehicle is registered to yourself and you're the authorized person to be using those plates on the vehicle. Um, and this is really important to know because there's a lot of people that you'll run into, especially like myself, I have an invisible disability, I don't see my colitis and right. not going to lie, I get out of that car and I am moving. I'm not slowly right. walking, I am booking it to that bathroom. Um, <laughs> so it doesn't look like I'm disabled whatsoever. You know, I get that little, the little shuffle that right. everyone, everyone with Crohn's and colitis knows when you got to go, there's that shuffle. Um, <clears throat> and you're one of those people that are like, oh, you don't look disabled, blah, blah, blah. And used to really bother me. He used to really, really piss me off. And I'd say some choice words to these individuals. Um, <laughs> where now so much, you know, <clears throat> once you kind of realize, hey, I don't really care what other people think, because I'm at that point where I'm just like, whatever, I don't care. Like, you do not affect me on a day to day basis. I don't care what you think. If you got a problem, I tell people, it's like, just call the cops. Yeah, I'm parked it, right it, here. Exactly. I'm not going anywhere. Like, I'm gonna be inside. Like, By the right, time I'm right. out, the cops will probably be here. So just call the cops. And I've had one lady do it so far, but wow. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I had one lady do it and she actually almost got arrested, which is funny. Oh my goodness. Because he cleared everything up. He just asked for my card. I showed him, he's like, you're good. And she kept like going at it and call it like just 
just hammering away. She was calling the cop out for being dumb. She was saying I was abusing the system, blah, blah, blah. He's like, you keep it up and don't leave. You're going to jail for harassment. I was like, oh, okay. Right. I was like, come on, keep going. Um, <laughs> like, I want to see a lady go to jail. This would be great. But she was smart enough to leave, unfortunately. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a really important it. thing. Like, you know. Right. I haven't had it to that extreme, but when you said about having an invisible disability, people can't see my learning disability. Yeah. Like, and sometimes in the community, I'm unable to use escalators because of my visual perception. I can't tell when to go on or when to get off. wasn't sure if you and, meant like people were preventing you from using the escalator. I was like, what? Right, right. <laughs> but I, so mainly we have to use uh, the elevator and that can be difficult if my husband and I are traveling um, trying to find one in subway stations, I, airports. You know, that's a in airports that can be true. difficult. But one thing we found with COVID, I was in a mall with a friend, and we were going to use the the elevator. And there was a sign on there that said the only people that are allowed to use the elevator are people with strollers and wheelchair users. And I thought, you know, this is discrimination. That they, they have no clue. That other people do use it. I mean, I went in it myself, okay. and I thought, okay. Luckily, nobody questioned it. I would have had a field day with that. <laughs> I wrote I an article with day. that. Yeah. Oh. But yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> they couldn't see it, and it's it, it, that that was one thing that happened. So I say that I would have a field day with that because one of the things I've recently been doing on mm -hmm. Twitch, you know, what I'm probably going to switch over to YouTube is I've been live streaming what I call disability mm -hmm. audits where mm -hmm. I call uh, companies, hotels, random stores, and I ask them questions around the ADA. So a common mm -hmm. thing for hotels, I call and I'll ask, you know, what their policies are on service animals, because we, you know, being somebody that's right. disabled, we know, hey, if you have a service animal, hotels and motels, Airbnbs, they can't say no to allowing service animals. Right, right. So, you know, there's only certain things you have to prove, like service animals do not have any registration. It's not a thing. States... Mm -hmm. If a local state, somebody says, or town requires it, doesn't fly. It's not required. Mm -hmm. The only thing that's required for service animals is their shots and normal animal registration has to be up to date. So they have to be right. you know, fully vaccinated or you know taken care of mm -hmm. as, as an animal in general. And they have to be able to perform a specific task. They cannot ask you to have your animal perform that task whatsoever. They just have to be able mm -hmm. to perform, perform a specific task. And you have to be able to prove you're, you know, disabled to right. just in general, not what you have. Um, and that's really important. Now, where I'm at is a very large tourist destination where I live in Virginia. Um, most of the hotels that I've called around here are actually really good about it and they fully understand. Um, and there's mm -hmm. no kind of questioning around, hey, look, you know, I got some questions about a service animal. And they're they're all so far been super, super kind. Um, but it's a really important thing to know. And people listening if you know any places that are horrible with it and want me to call and torment them i would love it um yeah <laughs> it's a super important thing to know because it is there's a lot of places today even though the ada has been in effect for over 30 years now that still don't abide by the american disability act whether it's you know mobility access for mobility devices service animals mm -hmm or reasonable accommodations when it comes to work or rentals you know rental properties um, and that's a really, really big thing that I'm trying to kind of focus on and something that people should, you know, brush up on. And I want to point out that the ADA has a new um, beta site that they're, they're launching and trying. It is okay. 
so much easier to use. Like if you, oh, if you just Google ADA, it's like beta.ada.gov. <laughs> okay. And it has all the different categories. It has kind of like bullet points and it mm -hmm. has it broken down. Like you require, you know, this is required. This is not required. And it's super, super easy now versus just, Hey, here's the ADA. Good luck right. reading it. Have fun. <laughs> um, so yeah, anybody that hasn't gone to it lately, they have a new site that's up and it's so much easier to use and, and straightforward and they break it down off of the different areas like transport, handicap parking, mm -hmm. um, hotel, you know, service animals, accessibility devices. So it's super, super easy to use now. Good. So yeah, I'm all over the place. Sounds good. I have to check that out. <laughs> yeah. So pff, somebody closed an elevator, I'd have a I'd have a field day with that. Right. Just try and say <laughs> something to me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, I'm all about I'm all about advocacy and big thing with you know flexing flexing your rights knowing what they are so you can actually flex them so when someone doesn't know your rights you're you're covered and if right. they continue to push upon them yeah then you can actually take legal action and 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 have some you know grounds to stand on and i had a similar thing too that happened uh last year i had to get my id updated so i go into the driver's license center and they were limiting um people going in because of covid and it was mainly teenagers standing outside and it was uh, elderly folks. And I was standing with my husband. Sometimes he, he helps me. Most of the time I'm good, but just occasionally, sometimes if I don't want to understand something, he's there to kind of explain or, and Which the woman, reasonable. yeah, right. Especially at the DMV, like it's already confusing yeah. enough as it is. <laughs> and the woman had a sign in and she goes, okay, what are you here for? And I told her and she looks at my husband and says, well, what is he here for? I said, oh, he's here. He's along. He's with me. And she goes, don't you see? We have a line of people. And she, I watched her before this let in the elderly couples that were together and teenagers with their parents. And I locked eyes with her and I said, I have a disability and I need my husband to help me. And she looked at me and we had a standoff for a few minutes. And then she goes, okay, go through. My husband's like, I thought you were going to have a fight with that person right there. I'm like, no, most likely if she wouldn't have let that happen, it would have been, uh, you know, I would have been calling ADA or something to that effect. Call the cops. Yeah. Call the cops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Call the cops. Right? Well, so, and that's, and that's back, back to the whole rights thing on top of mm -hmm. that too. It's, it's really important to know the rights that you're covered under the ADA, but it's also really important to know the rights that are given to you under the Bill of Rights, because mm -hmm. <clears throat> one of the big thing that's super important is any government facility that is open to the public as public access mm -hmm. and public property, you have extra rights when you're on public property and people can't ask you to leave. They can't limit certain things in public property. And there was a lot of that being done during COVID that was technically unconstitutional. Right. So it's really important to know the two of them kind of pair them together because everybody has their normal rights granted to us mm -hmm. under the Bill of Rights. And then on top of it, because of what we go through on a day to day basis, we get an extra level of protection and some extra rights around, mm -hmm. you know, our limitations and, and, and the conditions that we have, which I think is important because <clears throat> I think most people can agree there's a lot of things that we struggle with. And yep. For some conditions, there's a lot of pain that's associated with it and a mm -hmm. lot of things that we, you know, have unfortunately gone through in the past that right. 
doesn't necessarily say, I don't, I don't like to say the word earns us these perks, but these things are meant to make our life easier and we should take advantage of them because there, there are a lot of them. Um, exactly. and a lot of people don't realize that there are like one of the big things that a lot of people don't realize is if you have a permanent disability, you actually get into national parks for free. Uh, well, along with oh. a lot of federally funded zoos, museums, and aquariums. Um, as far as the national parks go, you can go get a national parks disability pass. So you go to one of your national parks around, which we have quite a few here in Virginia state and national ones, and just say, hey, look, I wanted, you know, I was, I was wondering about the park pass that you guys have. You show them like your um, handicap placard ID, or if you mm -hmm. have plates with your registration, they'll usually allow those as well. And they just register you for it. So they put you in the little park system. They give you a little tiny mm -hmm. little card. And anytime you go to a national park, you just show that and you don't have to pay to get in. <clears throat> and they sometimes give you extra access. And I say that on top of zoos, because there's a, there's a zoo around here where I can get in for free with multiple other people as well. Um, and some various, you know, state aquariums, zoos, museums, and then some theme parks will actually give you like a couple perks. So I'm near Bush Gardens and they allow everybody that has a disability to actually use like their fast pass thing. Oh, okay. so you can skip the line, which is really nice when the line's an hour long and halfway through you have to go to the bathroom. So yeah, true. <laughs> so you know what? I'm skipping that line because okay. there's plenty of things I've missed in the past because I've had to get out of the line and go to the bathroom and never made it through the line because it was too long. So yeah, take advantage of the few things that we do get on top of it and, and learn all sure. the rights that we do have because unfortunately... In this 2022, we still have to uh, stand on those rights and, and press them from time to time for people that are uneducated. That's right. Definitely. And knowing them prevents problems. That, that, that's so true. Generally makes the dumb people get quiet real quick. <laughs> exactly. It, it really does. Knowing what your rights are. Yep. And listening to me advocate for and call people live true <laughs> calling retail stores is fun too it always seems so confused i'm like hey you guys have like a little handicap carts motorized carts and i'm like yeah are they working it's a good question all right well do you guys care if i bring my own device in if yours aren't working and some of the answers i get sometimes are funny i can imagine <laughs> like um i i don't think so like it sound that sounds fine okay because right. fun facts, under the ADA, mobility devices can be any motorized or non-motorized device up to gas-powered golf carts. So there are oh gas-powered devices are covered under the ADA, <laughs> which a lot of people don't realize. Mm -hmm. The only distinction that they have when it comes to <clears throat> mobility devices is that they have to be appropriate for the environment that they're in. Mm -hmm. So for example, like I live in Virginia Beach, we have a three mile long boardwalk, technically a golf cart would be appropriate in that area because of the distance that's covered mm -hmm. and because it's a wider open area. Now, Walmart shopping center is probably not appropriate for a golf cart, but something like a Segway or, you know, motorized little scooter right. chair of some sort would be authorized. And they do that because the gas powered devices are covered because there's activities outside of just shopping that a lot of people wouldn't normally think of like hunting um, things like four wheels can be covered under the ADA where they might not normally be allowed um, mm -hmm. and smaller off-road devices that are gas powered can be considered a mobility device if you are disabled 
True. Yes, definitely. I never knew that. That that's interesting to know. Yep. Yep. That's I in my free time, I like comb through it and I'm like, okay, <laughs> how can I push this? Right. Um, like how can I test this one? Because <clears throat> for example, here in Virginia Beach, um the boardwalk, they generally don't allow a lot of things on. Mm-hmm. Um, and technically, under the ADA, all of the motorized skateboards. And, you know, those one wheel things that have the gyro mm-hmm. in them that you can ride, those are covered. And I'm not going to lie. Like when I go out to the oceanfront, I don't walk around a ton because my bones are really bad um, from a bunch right. of prednisone I've been on in the past. So my feet start to hurt. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to work. You know, I, I need to fix my bones before I can be running any sort of marathon <laughs> or anything. But that sounds like a great idea at the oceanfront. I'm just like, okay, I need everything in place because I know I'm going to get like stopped by a police officer and questioned. Because they're right. not supposed to be on the boardwalk, and you'll be like, "Well, actually, here's where yes. it says." Just gonna get some laminated sheets and print them out. <clears throat> right, and that's something that I did. Uh, we when we had a trip that we were planning on using the subway, I started looking up what what is your ADA policy on this? Mm-hmm. Where, um, like, if this doesn't work, uh, like the elevator is out of service. Do I get to go further? And some of them had the policy where you could use them. They would let you uh, be able to use it at another place in another stop. They had to do that under ADA. Uh, It's been a while. It was kind of comical the first time my husband and I went on a trip to New York City. He's like, we we come into Penn Station and there's the escalator. And I said, oh, I, I can't do that. He goes, I'll help you. And I'm like, yeah, this, this isn't going to work out. And, but I'm resource resourceful enough to know, okay, where's the, where's the, um, where's the elevator at? Where's the stairs at? Where, where is that? And it's actually um, a really good point. You know, I didn't even think about it. How many stations in New York have an elevator on ground level? Because most of them are just Mm -hmm. the stairs on the side of the road. I didn't even think about that. Right. And Penn Station was in the news a while back for not with with not complying with uh, ADA. And there was people that weren't falling from steps. And uh, I can't remember the exact details, but that was a big one that um, they had a lot of uh, complaints and they were revamping things. How many, how many, do you you know if there's a ton of stations that do have access or there's just a few that you could use? Um, most of them do. I mean, you you might be using a service elevator or something that's not, but they have to okay, have something some not access. like obvious. Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. They have access um, to them. And I know you said escalators, so you you don't have any issues with stairs at all. No, right? I mean Granted, I have to go slower, obviously, is, um, yeah, when I I'm mean, on that's... steps, which is fine. You know, the visual perception sometimes makes that um, coordinating them a little bit difficult, but. You know, I can go slow. I, in fact, I prefer to use the stairs if oh, possible. Okay. Um, yeah, so that, that is uh, definitely something to consider. It's like, yeah, because there's a lot of stations where, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean you, you're able to use the stairs, but there's a lot of stations where you have to go down the stairs to the station, and then in the yep. station, they have like an elevator. Right, right. But there's no and elevator just, to street level. Right. Um yeah, that's true. And so if they don't Man. have that, or if the elevator's out in the next station and someone's in a wheelchair and they, they need to use that and they can't, they don't have the option of using the stairs, um, 
they have to go to the next one. And I, I, I believe there was cabs that could take, I mean, there was, there was a lot of services that could take you work. Jeez. To, to give you where you needed to go. And they would have it on their website. We sometimes look it up in the hotel that morning. Okay. This station is, um, is their elevator in service? Cause they do put that down if it's not in service. So, you know, yeah. I feel like it's easier to plan a trip across the country geez you have to plan out each station you want to stop at whether it has that sounds horrendous oh my and then trying to figure out because we're not uh we live in pennsylvania so we don't do this on a daily basis so we'd have to figure out okay where are we going it's already intimidating as it is yeah yeah like hey by the way most of these places can't get off so (laughs) yeah that, that that makes it difficult too but no, i used to live in massachusetts and we went into okay. the city a few times and i i'm not a new york person whatsoever it was right, right. It's oh. a mess as it is. i'm like what all these stations and yeah. this <laughs> network i'm like i'm good i'm good i'm staying well now i'm in virginia which is great um oh, no okay. crazy cities but yeah yeah i was like uh how about no i'm gonna pass <laughs> Yeah, New York, New York for me was just draining. I felt like it drained all of the energy out of my soul. Oh, <laughs> I was like, I'm good. Right. Um, but I never even thought about that. I'm trying to think like Boston. So I used to go to Boston from time to time, which wasn't mm-hmm. as bad. Um, yeah, yeah. I think. I think Boston's, there's some stations that are above ground in Boston, but there's some that are underground. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the underground ones is the same way. You have to go downstairs to get to the area that has the elevators. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. Jeez. Okay. Things you don't think about. Right, exactly. <laughs> oh boy. The more you know. Okay. Crazy elevators in New York City. <laughs> Yeah. Stick with above ground trains. <laughs> yes, definitely. <sighs> okay. But here in Virginia, nothing's underground because the water table okay. is so high. So it's all above <laughs> that ground. Makes so it, I didn't, yeah. I didn't even think about this stuff. Not that I personally use a wheelchair, but yeah, no. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's just things people don't, you know, normally think of. And I'll be out with friends and they'll forget. Although they'll get on the escalator and I'll be like, oh, they're like, oh. Oh, that's right. You have to use the elevator. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, you're, you're just so open to this. You, you just do what you need to do and you don't complain. And I'm thinking, well, this is a life, you know, it's a lifestyle. I don't really have a choice in the matter. Like, right, right. And it's just that I, I want to get to uh, whatever they're doing on the next floor or, you know, that's, that's where I want to go. And I, I find a way to do it. And it's just, that's been really the key thing with having a learning disability too, my whole life is um, finding a way to do what I want to do. And I mean, may not be able to do everything, but just finding that way, it has been really um, important. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that like, <clears throat> and, and, and I guess to, to hit on that complaining about, you know, mm-hmm. stuff that you have to deal with. If we complained about everything that we had to deal with on a regular <laughs> basis, every time we had to do it, God, we would be miserable. Like you just, yeah, true. you get to a point where it's like, yeah, this is normal. Like it's okay. It's not great, right. but it's it, normal. It's... And I can still do things. And <clears throat> yep, you're like coming from the diagnosed side where, you know, like I had a functional life and then I got diagnosed and that changed. Yeah. There's don't get me wrong. There's that stage of pity party where you just, you know, right. hate everything. 
and it all sucks. Oh, oh I know. I but the longer you stay in it, man, you're just oh, it's bad. And then when you get past it, you're like, okay. And then you have to have a good sense of humor around it because if you don't have a good sense <laughs> of humor, you're just I feel like you're miserable all the time. Right. Like, I tell people all the time. Yep. <clears throat> I have like, when it comes to colitis, I don't even try explaining it. I was like, I have a broken butt and I do weird butt stuff with my doctor. Yeah, there you go. So take that how you want it. And if you want right. to ask questions, be careful because you will get an answer. You will get, yeah. <laughs> get an accurate answer. You just might not want to know. Right. Like you've been warned. <laughs> um, yeah, because I have, you know, a dark sense of humor sometimes when it comes to to my colitis and I guess my limitations, but I, but I have fun with it. because Right, right. Why not? Definitely important. Why not? Oh, yeah. Because if, oh man, if you don't, if you don't have a sense of humor or fun with it, God, I feel so bad for you. Right. You're depressed all the time. I agree. There's enough of that already, let alone <laughs> if you don't have a good, oh man. So, yeah. So, what else? Anything else fun you want to share? Any other? ambitions, big goals you're working towards? Well, one of the things I am trying to do is I'm trying to do a memoir um, of a book about my my life and my experiences. Um, okay. I'm calling it Chasing Butterflies because that's another passion in my life is butterflies. And um, I'm kind of relating that to like the life cycle of a butterfly. And that's been, yeah, been Fun working fact. on that. Um, yeah. So I have a very, very diverse background of random things I've used to do. I used to buy and sell jewelry from mm -hmm. South America. Yeah, South America, the like Brazil and surrounding countries. They actually take butterflies and they have butterfly farms mm -hmm. and they farm them for their wings. When they naturally die, they take their wings, they encase mm -hmm. them in glass oh, wow. and they make jewelry out of them, which is beautiful because... Yeah. As a butterfly's wings is unique as a fingerprint, so their designs are completely unique. So you can get some really cool colors. So well, that sounds so neat. You like butterflies, you can get yeah. jewelry that actually has wings oh. encased in glass. I'll have to remember that. Yeah, <clears throat> neat. South American thing, but yeah, yeah, that's mm -hmm. maybe eventually I will get around to a book. I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Writing is not my strong suit. Right. I'll You're going to talk. Audio and video. <laughs> yep, I'm going to stick to audio and video. <clears throat> I give go. credit. I give credit to anybody that's uh, writing a book. Oh, thank you. I've always liked. I've always liked to write. Um, yeah. <laughs> when I was nope. little. I was the math and science kid. I was not the English yeah. and history kid. <laughs> no. Oh, no. I give credit to anyone can that can do that. <laughs> yeah. Math and history, um, yeah, history and English. Nope, not my strong suit. Spelling, oh boy, that's a that's a whole nother thing. Spell check wasn't a thing nowadays, man. I'd be right. creating new words. Well, I do, uh, yeah, I do a lot of spell check. Definitely. Um, is that something? I, is that something you struggle with? With uh, I, I did a little bit, um, little bit, not maybe as much as something with dyslexia and also okay. grammar. So I'll be. <laughs> there with uh you know spell check grammar grammar and being like okay no we can't do that i mean i i do better but with that but still i i have to read things over um again and sometimes i'll read stuff out loud to myself and i'll think oh that didn't make sense or i could that would sound better if i did it that way makes you feel better i have to do a lot of that too <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, writing's not my strong suit, but it's okay. 
And so, one of the accommodations they used was when I was younger, even though I was a good reader, was reading the text out loud because, because they said, well, sometimes if you hear it, it, it makes more sense to you. No, that's and fair. How'd that I work with testing? Test, yeah. And the extended test time helped too. And with, also with the writing, we got a note take. One of my accommodations in university was getting a note taker because um, my handwriting was not that great. So my mom was going to study with me or somebody, they couldn't read my handwriting, but sometimes I would miss things. And that just kind of helps uh, to be able to process the information a lot easier. Now, now here's a question. <clears throat> writing or typing? Does one, is one a lot easier than the other? I asked because like, I'm a gamer, so I can type incredibly fast. Right. Writing is just chicken scratch because I don't like. Uh, it's easier to type okay. for me for to understand things. I can write things down, which I do a lot of times, but just having that, um, you know, typing it. I wish because I even got a W indicating weakness on my report card when I was in second grade and they knew or maybe it was first. They knew I had a disability. Mm. and they uh, they put that as a w and everyone was like well we can't read your writing you're never going to be a writer if we can't read your handwriting well thankfully we came out with computers and yeah, we came out with typing. Now, so. yeah and once i learned how to do, and now it did take me an extra semester to learn how to get the how to get that down and i still do make mistakes but um it's a lot easier than handwriting and having people try to figure things out have you um have you tried any of like the uh, the speech to text programs that they have for the computer? Because I ask because I've been looking at them because you know yeah I haven't tried them myself. I okay. work with the visually impaired student and they would do a lot of um, they do things that involved uh, you know hearing things like uh, with software mm -hmm. and some of my students that have uh, really severe reading disabilities uh, will do speech to text. So sometimes that is an option. I'm going to have to plug my laptop in real quick. Oh, you're good. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, my goodness. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, I haven't tried that, but I, I know that's one of the options they have, too. I was looking at it mostly for the things that I do need to type because if I could just talk to them and talk about it, mm -hmm. it would be so much easier. Definitely. <clears throat> how my brain works. But <clears throat> okay. So one of the other things I wanted to ask, one of the things I bring up a lot is the difference between being born with something and being diagnosed with something at a, at a later age. And I think technically with the way you said that you were diagnosed, you have experience with both. I, I so do. I'm really curious of which one you think is a better option, kind of the benefits from each. Like I am incredibly grateful that I made it through school. Right. Before getting diagnosed, but there is that downfall of at least, you know, I knew what it was like to be fully functional and lose something. So, right. Um, I think the benefit of, I was diagnosed with a learning disability in kindergarten. And I think one of the benefits of that was it was a way of life. I mm. remember very little of my life before having that. So it became a lifestyle. Now the downfall was you had the label on you that a lot of people could see, um, you know, the students I went to school with, it was a pretty small school district, so you couldn't hide. They they knew where I was going, and um, 
but the benefit was it was a lifestyle. I had a wonderful supportive family that helped me out. As an adult, it, it once again, that label that comes on you and everybody starts uh, wondering, well, what are you gonna do with your life? When you're a kid, they can help you with school a lot more. Things are a lot more clear and set forth. But as an adult, they start thinking, well, where are you gonna go to college? How are you gonna handle the classes? Um, what kind of job are you going to have? And the, the limitations sometimes they put on people, it's pretty bad. I mean, they'll, they'll say, well, you have this, so you can't do this kind of job or you won't be able to do that. Um, and a lot of times the disability jobs they do have, I remember I worked for an agency that um, helped people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. And it was probably, I they couldn't do the job and they were the probably the least understanding <laughs> place I did work for. And when they let me go, they thought I was purposely making mistakes. And it was, it was pretty, uh, yeah. It, 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 it you didn't just take a, a contract to employ people and they don't take the time to understand. Right. right. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> and I can just remember that was difficult. Um, and sometimes, but knowing there was things that did make sense as an adult. The hand dexterity, nobody ever knew that I had. Uh, we knew I was bad with hammering. We knew that things didn't things would fall out of my hands. Mm -hmm. um, we just thought, oh, she's clumsy or that sort of thing. But they said, Here, here's how, you know, what your hand dexterity is like. And then I'm like, oh, that really makes a lot of sense why I have a lot, some of these issues. Okay. So I, when, when I remember to bring it up, I always ask because it's it's a big range for people. And, you know, like right. people that are born with stuff, they're kind of like, yeah, this is just my normal. It's never, these are always been the obstacles versus kind of learning and, and readjusting to to a new normal um, once you've been diagnosed with something. Exactly. And that, you know, <clears throat> I get slapped in with both at the same time, you know, colitis being a disability. So joining two communities at the same time, which is, Part of why I advocate for for trying mm -hmm. to tie and bring the communities together because there are so many similarities, you know, with the doctors' Definitely. offices and medications and, and all kinds of stuff. Right? Do you Medicare? Do you have to take any sort of medications for for your? No, it's not just, okay. not for that. There isn't really. No. Yeah, they can't do um, anything with medications. It's I just you learn how to. Not a bad yeah. thing. You don't get any of the nasty side effects because it's always a right. Right. It's always <laughs> usually a good part of the part of the episode. We complain about yeah. the side effects that we. <laughs> Right, definitely. Oh, okay, no, it's just a curiosity one. Mm -hmm. um, and do you know if it's something they're working towards, like, I guess, treatment for or certain programs that can can help? Well, I don't want to say like physical therapy, but different things that can help benefit um, or at least well, have a link to it? Right, there is things that um, we have founded on. Uh, genes uh, mm -hmm. that they can find it with genetic. Um, there, there is uh, kind of a controversy. Uh, people either fall between one or two camps with uh, certain things. We have people that it's a disability and would we want to be cured? Or they have people that think, oh, we should be finding cures for things like that. And I kind of fall in the middle with that. I think that um, it's, it's a way of life. It's uh, how, how you live. 
Um, but I think that there would be things if they did find uh, things to help, that that would be, it definitely would make things a lot easier. <clears throat> Probably the most frustrating part with having a learning disability with math is they, like my dad has always said, they just haven't found a way to treat you. They just haven't found a way to teach you math. You could do it if they found a way to do, um, yeah. to do that. And no program's really been effective. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. This standard way that they teach math now, I'm just like, what in the world is going on? <laughs> oh, I know. I've seen some of the, I'm like, what, what right. happened? What happened? Yeah, exactly. And, and don't get me wrong. I didn't do my workout because I was one of the, lucky ones where you know numbers work in my head so I get to do it in my head and I'm just like look at the mm -hmm. new stuff I'm like what in the world is going on I don't right understand. exactly but okay no I asked because you know I know they're always working on technology to maybe not right. necessarily cure certain things but to at least make technology that makes it easier or right. kind of more accommodating um so I was just curious because oh, yeah. I know for colitis it's all over the place there's like right, stem cell right. research and different medications. So I'm always right. curious. And there are different things that they do try. I mean, there's just different strategies we'll try in the classroom. There's different learning things they'll do. And it's always just kind of interesting um, with adaptive things. When you mentioned that um, sometimes with my hand dexterity, I can't really open jars up. So I did a product review on um, bottle openers Mm -hmm. And I can't even use a manual can opener partially because of the visual perception and the hand dexterity. So I'm able to use um, Pop it an up electric. The so yeah, the there electric. are, yeah, there, there, there are options out there and they are getting better on things that um, maybe just, it's not just for a person that has a disability, but it's universal design. So all people yeah. can benefit from it. No, that's fair. Okay. No, because I'm most curious because, I mean, <laughs> for colitis, it's more just, you know, when you stuck right. in the bathroom. Uh-huh. New, new, new digestive tracker. Or, you know, fix, <laughs> fix my butt. Um, <laughs> which, <clears throat> honestly, most conversations come down to, you know, legalized medication that makes it easier to use or easier right. to manage that's not a chemical that costs mm -hmm. stupid amounts of money. Um <clears throat> Well, at least, at least you don't have to worry about the medical cost behind it. Right, exactly. What medications are, oh God, my infusions are what, eight grand a pop every six weeks before my mm -hmm. insurance kicks in. That's and expensive. that is a yeah, is a scary number. Exactly. And then from my understanding, my infusions are low in the area that I'm in. I've heard some places, if they get it done at the hospital in rural places, can be upwards of like $20,000 for an infusion. Wow. Yeah, standard infusion rates are every eight mm -hmm. weeks, so two months. So you got to get six of those a year, 120 grand Ooh, a year. That's expensive. Yeah. yeah, that adds up. Crazy. Crazy. Yes. Well, I guess, is there anything else you want to touch on or a good time to wrap things everything. up? Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on. All right. Well, thank you for having me. You're welcome. As always, thank you for stopping by and listening to the episode. Make sure you guys head over to thebeardedadvocate.com to show your support. It's got all the links to all the other social media platforms, which I'm creating a ton of new content on that I'm sure you guys would love to watch and hopefully in the future be a part of. So thank you, as always, and have a good one.